A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, welcome to the Tennis Podcast. I'm sorry to say it's me, David Law. I'm back from my sick bed. You can't just have Catherine Whitaker and guest anymore, but we have two guests. They are Catherine Whitaker and Jim White from The Telegraph because we are The Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and supported by BNP Paribas, the Bank for Changing World, on a day that the semi-final lineup has been completed both for the men's and the women's and it is a thrilling lineup we have to look forward to. Today we've had the men's quarterfinals which have left Andy Murray against Roger Federer and moments ago a thrilling semi-final between Richard Gasquet and Stan Wawrinka with Gasquet going through to meet Novak Djokovic. Catherine Whitaker, this has been some day. Uh, it has been some day, but had it not been for Gasquet Vavrinka, it would not have been some day. It would have been an okay day, but it would have been a slightly underwhelming day, I think, where you know, it was sort of business would have been business as usual. But uh, Vavrinka Gasquet has made it into some day because that was just utterly sensational. Well, I think it's been some day because I'm no longer lying on a bed feeling unwell. That's what I was talking about, Catherine Whitaker. Yeah, well, for me, I've had the microphone prized from my hands and I'm, uh, I'm back to guest status. So for me, it's a slightly underwhelming day, frankly. Uh, not that it's not wonderful to have you back, David. Oh, thank you very much, Catherine. Uh, now, I was doing the Andy Murray match uh, uh, against his opponent today, Vashik Pospisil, who played... Pretty well, I thought. Jim, you were covering Roger Federer, and they almost finished simultaneously today, did Andy Murray and Roger Federer, and they both look fantastic, don't they? They were in a race to see who could get the most rest, I think. Uh, I, I just reflect on what Catherine was saying there, uh, that the big three, as I think we can now refer to, are Murray, Federer and Djokovic, all won in straight sets. And I think that shows how far ahead of the rest they are, whereas Stan Wawrinka isn't perhaps quite yet up at that level and he was caught by Gasquet but Federer looked absolutely magnificent but in all honesty he's not yet had the challenge that he's going to get from Murray and that will be some collision. Well, it was extraordinary, wasn't it? That statistic that was going around about, what was it, 115 service holds in a row before he finally got broken. Catherine saying 16, my counting's never been the best. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
finally Gilles Simon managed to break that little record or that little record he was building. I think the record was held by Ivo Karlovic, 129, I read. But Federer was closing in on that. But that's an indication of just how serene he's looking at the moment. And he looked very, uh, well, he, he never looks angry. But he immediately broke Simon back once he'd lost that record. And you could see, I'm not going to be messed around here. He really is both mentally and physically in really superb shape. Yeah, he certainly is. Catherine, what were, you, what were your thoughts? You would have been, no doubt, sitting up with your best bud, Mats Valander, watching these matches. What, would, what did he make of it all? Yes, cue me being the conduit for the thoughts of Mats Valander. That's basically, you should just get Mats on directly and just uh, do away with me altogether. I have, two, uh, I have two very specific thoughts. One is that service stat is amazing. And also to back that up, he, in terms of percentage of return games won, he's also top. So it's not just he's serving brilliantly, he's also returning brilliantly, which is it's a formidable Federer however he's not been challenged yet my second point is we played out a very large chunk of the Roger Federer press conference in our studio today and Matt's sitting next to me was leaning forward watching it and he in the way that he does in that most concise incisive way leaned forward and said he's really nervous he looked he looked him in the eye down the monitor and he said Roger Federer is nervous about this match Oh, about Andy Murray? About Andy Murray, yeah. He said he's getting defensive on all the points, on all the questions. He's getting a little bit crotchety, and he said he could see in his eyes that he fears Andy Murray. Why would Roger Federer, Jim, fear a man that he beat 6-love, six 6-1 six the last time they met? Um, well, it was interesting, that press conference, because he was looking back on the last time that the two of them met here, which was in the Olympic final. And he said, basically, I never got a look in. And I think that's the Andy Murray he's recalling. He suggested that that victory was partly because Murray had a bad back. He said it's not that wasn't the real Andy Murray. So he was being very self-deprecating uh, on that one. Uh, but I think I think there is a point there that Catherine was making that that actually if Federer is tested, uh, it's it's going to be a much much more interesting thing. He made mistakes um, against Gilles Simon. He, he put three into the net. He double-faulted on match point. These are very, very small um, mistakes, uh, and, and they, they made no difference in the end result. But they're sufficient for Murray. If he decides not to watch Toy Story 2 tonight, which I think is his favoured uh, viewing of an evening... Well, it's instead, most of ours, isn't it? And he instead watches that match, those might be the points he thinks, actually, I've got a chance here. Got another stat for you here, Jim. Uh, he's never lost a Wimbledon semi-final. I give, I give you that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I actually think Murray will win that semi-final. But Federer has never lost a Wimbledon semi-final. How about that? What, what he is doing is extraordinary, isn't it? The fact, I mean, he turns 34 soon. He's been playing this game professionally for 17 years. He just doesn't look old, though, does he? He looks magnificent. But I think you're right. I think there's something about his mental approach to the game. Interestingly, in that press conference, he claimed that he made had no interest in his heritage. He had no interest in the records. He just wanted to play on while he enjoyed it. I don't believe that. I think that's what motivates him. You know, uh, Catherine was saying there about his record in the semi-final, and he now holds the record with Jimmy Connors for the most appearances at Wimbledon semi-finals. He wants to go one better than that. He wants to get up there and win that eighth title. You can see that's, what driving, that's what's driving him. And for him to still have that appetite at, at 34 is extraordinary. You see champions 
of all sports all around the world for a long, long time now. Where does Federer rate for you? I think Federer is as, as, as good as anybody. I mean, in terms of his longevity, you know, uh, he's, he's outpaced his old uh, friend and uh, uh, razor advertising rival Tiger Woods, who has fallen off the edge of the golfing world. You know, he's, he, his consistency is incredible. And one would have thought that he would dip in enthusiasm, if nothing else, but no. Well, nothing I like more than to one-up Catherine Whitaker, And I have a, an example of that today because while Catherine's been showing off about Mats Verlander for the last 10 days, I got to have lunch with Andy Roddick today on his first arrival on, behind the, the BBC microphone. And my goodness, did he charm the birds off the trees in his BBC appearances today. Did you get to see any of him at all? I certainly did. I'll tell you what I also got to see was the Twitter. I mean, it felt like Twitter was... Various people on, tweet, people on Twitter were basically transcribing the words of Andy Roddick as, as he was saying them. Because I, 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 one of my roles with Live at Wimbledon is to report on what social media is saying and what the buzz is about. And... All I had was a stream of consciousness from the Andy Roddick brain, people transcribing and feeding back on everything he was saying on BBC TV and radio, my favourite of which was in response to being asked about whether it was Murray Mound or Henman Hill. He said, I'm a better moonwalker than Michael Jackson, but he got there first. End of story. Indeed, yes. Andy Roddick was, a, was fascinating. We had him in our five live commentary box for about 50 minutes as well. And, you know, the speed with which his mind works and the, the depth with which, in which he goes to describe what he's seeing is, is not something I've really encountered too much in the commentary box before. And, and it's going to be fascinating. I believe he's actually going to do the interview with Andy Murray over the next hour. So to preview the next uh, match with Roger Federer, that'll be interesting, won't it? Because they actually played each other a few years ago in the semi-finals, and Roddick actually knocked him out in the 2009. You know, I think Roger Federer will make a very good analyst when he comes around to it. I think he actually reads the game brilliantly and describes it brilliantly. Yeah, he's he's, he's the next one. Get him on this podcast. Well, we, we will. I tell, you know what? I think we'll just let him play the semi-finals first. And then we'll let him, once he's retired, maybe then we'll let him on the podcast. How about that? Seeing as you're big mates with Andy Roddick now, and given that you've luncheoned with him and everything, <laughs> could you ask him his... I've been very outspoken over the many years that have now passed since Andy Roddick's final... Uh, late, le, the, the latest final he played with uh, Roger Federer at Wimbledon final. Uh, I, I've been very outspoken saying that I think if he had served first in that fifth and final set, he would have won that. Well, I had the same feeling about Sam Wawrinka today. I think had Gasquet... I think in this dynamic, it was more about Richard Gasquet. I don't think Richard Gasquet would have coped with being the one having to serve to stay in the match. I think if Stan Wawrinka had been serving first in that final set, Stan Wawrinka would have won that match. And this is why I believe in the fifth set tiebreak. I actually do agree with you about the fifth set tiebreak, although I would advocate that it should come in at 12 all. personally. We've talked about that before. Catherine's shaking her head. I am shaking my head because of that point I just made. I think having to serve uh, 12 times, no, sorry, six times to stay in a tournament in, in Wimbledon is, is too big a disadvantage. That's, I mean, I agree with you. The spectacle, I think. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What you're describing, the 12-all tiebreak, would be sort of the perfect balance in terms of the spectacle of, uh, of you know, the having to break to stay to, to, to win. And, and it, it's the compromise, isn't it, between what we have now and here and what we have at the US Open, which is the fifth set tiebreak. However, I think on a, from a fairness point of view, for me, I've seen one too many matches which I feel uh, have been decided by who's been serving first, first in that decisive set. That said, however, Catherine, you would have deprived the crowd on number one court of incredible sustained drama this evening. It was remarkable, those those last uh, few games, weren't there? And, and the momentum was switching around. I, I mean, probably you're right. I, I will bow to your uh, superior knowledge on that, that, that maybe... Uh, Gasquet had that advantage but the, the way the momentum was swinging around made incredible entertainment didn't it? It did it did and I would agree with you about the sustained drama however in terms of concentrated drama there could be nothing greater than a fifth set tiebreak I don't think I mean we haven't seen that many because we only see it at, Grand, uh, at the US Open um, but I Andy Roddick against David Nalbandian springs to my mind. That was utterly sensational. So, yes, you don't get that sustained drama, but you do get the ultimate climax to a match. So I think you get the same drama, but just concentrated into uh, 20 points or whatever. Do you know one, one man we haven't mentioned at all? Just the world number one, Novak Djokovic. He's also in the semifinals. And that's probably how he would like it, Jim, maybe, just to sneak through quietly and just keep mopping up the titles. Particularly given the struggles he had against Kevin Anderson. He's, he had the, 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 the real test, which the others yet 
uh, are yet to face. Um, and I think he was very relieved not to get that again in the semi-final and to get his feet up and, and, to, and to rest. He looked absolutely imperious again, whereas there were moments against Anderson where he was shaking, no, no question about it. He was completely on the back foot. First two sets, he, couldn't, he, he just couldn't impose himself. Uh, and so I think he will be feeling that's out the way. The other thing he'll be feeling is out the way is Stan Wawrinka's out the way. Absolutely, that's a huge boost to him, given the, the the French Open final that they had so recently, which Stan dominated in and him in. And I think Gasquet's only ever beaten him once in countless matches before. So Djokovic now a huge favourite to reach the final, although we have to say Gasquet's playing very well. Catherine and I will take another 24 hours to make our predictions for the men's semi-finals because we've got another podcast to do tomorrow night after the women's semi-finals. We're not sure whether Jim will be with us, so Jim, we're going to put you on the spot right now. Go on. OK, I'm going to go Murray and Djokovic. Excellent. Who's going to win the final? God, you really are putting me on the spot. I'll go Murray. There you go, tennis podcast listeners. If it all goes wrong, you Murray fans, you know who to blame first. Jim White here on the tennis podcast. Now, the women's semi-finals are tomorrow. Two very contrasting types of matches, both in terms of experience and uh, status in the game. Starting with Garbine Muguruza against Agnieszka Radvanska. In terms of a conflict, a battle of styles, Catherine, that is a, a real delight to look forward to. Yep, it's uh, it's evolved, isn't it? It's uh, Martina Hingis against Lindsay Davenport. It's it's one of those, and it's uh, I'm delighted to see that contrast of styles because as as good a match as I hope it will be, we will not see that contrast in the other semi-final. That's for sure. So uh, I'm pleased, and it also it, it sort of mirrors the Radvanska. Madison Keys semi uh, quarterfinal, which for me was a lot more one-sided than uh, than I was anticipating. Well, not one-sided, but well, as you'll see from the Telegraph website, I I predicted Madison Keys to come through that. Um, I think Garbinia Muguruza has done unbelievably well to get this far, and she's exceeded all my expectations up to this point and defied all my predictions. So, who's to say she won't defy this one as well? But I do think Agnieszka Radvanska's experience on this enormous stage will be the deciding factor, and I do expect Radvanska to come through that one. And Serena against Maria Sharapova. I imagine that will take up some serious space in the Telegraph tomorrow, uh, Jim. Yes, I think that's going to be the focus of attention. Um, It is a a clash of personalities as much as a a clash of playing styles. Uh, And Serena is just such a force to be uh, reckoned with, isn't she? Um, That, you know, I, I... I, I believe she's got the edge on this one. Well, uh, certainly I, I, the, I just can't see her losing that one. The records would suggest you're right. 17-2 is the head-to-head, and it is 11 years, 11 years since Serena Williams lost to Sharapova. It's an amazing record. Just, just on, quickly, we, we talked about Federer's status in the game and, and as an all-round sports person. What about Serena Williams? Is she the greatest sportswoman in the world? Um, I... At the moment, I would say she is. Yes, it's interesting, Serena. I thought, it, I thought, I thought the crowd response to her game with Venus um, suggested uh, uh, her match with Venus uh, uh, at the weekend suggested that that she still hasn't quite won the Wimbledon crowd behind her. And given her achievements and given her abilities and her status, uh, that's an oddity. That's a real oddity of the game. You watch Roger Federer uh, in, uh, on, on centre court. He's playing the local favourite, but I bet 
he will have a good proportion of the crowd behind him. Roger Love will be pouring down the stands. Serena, it's never quite there for her. And it's an intriguing one, that, because she has delivered as much as Roger has in the women's game, and yet she hasn't had that level of respect. Well, I think I, I think you're muddying the waters between respect and likability. I, I think I think there is that amount of respect for Serena Williams. I just don't think she's quite as likable as Roger Federer, and that's no, you know, Roger Federer is 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 uh, just so so wonderfully likable. He's one of those guys that. You know, even when he's saying sort of not particularly humble things, you know, you just know that it's coming from a good place. And Serena, it's not, it's not that she's anything bad. I just think it, it. I don't think she's particularly relatable for one thing. I don't think people can can necessarily understand her. But I don't think that detracts from the respect people have for her. I, I think, I mean, achievements speak for themselves. I think there's enormous respect, but I do think that's a slightly different thing to, to likability. And that's just something that, you you know, it's intangible, really. I, I do think as well, Federer is almost incomparable in any sport that I've ever seen in terms of the affection that people seem to have for him. I, I read an article today on the BBC Sport website where they, they interviewed various people who, once they've retired, start following him around the world, you know, which is almost freaky in, in terms of the love that people seem to have for him. People, people get over bereavements by going to follow Roger Federer matches. He's somebody that they can believe in. And seriously, I've been reading these accounts that people have given, and it is, it's quite mind-boggling, but that's the sort of effect that he has on people. So both of you think that it'll be a Serena victory, and what about that other semi-final, though? Because I don't think anybody expected to see those two in the semis. What do you think, Jim? No, I, but I would agree uh, with Catherine about experience. I think... I think when you reach a, a, a semi-final on such a big stage, I think it can just take the wind out of you. I mean, just the scale of it. So I'd go with Radwanska. She's just got that little edge in, in that department. And ultimately, that could make the difference. And just a, a quick note as well, because there are the doubles to follow those two matches as well. Jamie Murray could be in the doubles final. That'd be a huge deal, wouldn't it? Imagine it if you were Judy Murray on the last final weekend of Wimbledon and both of your sons are in the Wimbledon final. Well, of course, he's won it. He's won the mixed doubles here before um, and he got, the, he got the trophy on the sideboard before his brother, didn't he? Um, oh, it'd be amazing. An amazing uh, result for her. Uh, God, she'd, she'd be like the cat who got the cream. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's see what happens over the next 24, 48 hours. We've got a couple of fabulous days to look forward to. The women's semi-finals are tomorrow, starting with Agnieszka Radvanska against Garbina Muguruza, and then Serena Williams against Maria Sharapova. Then the men's semi-finals on Friday. Don't know which order those are going to be in yet, but I do suspect that it'll be Federer against Murray at tea time for the massive British audience. Catherine? I feel like there's a subject you've missed here, David, which is an update on our prediction scores. No, I don't think I've missed that at all. Uh, I think it's something to do with the fact that Catherine somehow is winning. The shame of it, David. I can understand why you're ashamed. You're losing, I would go to say, so far as to say you were losing disgracefully to me. I mean, I'm, I'm resoundingly in the lead. I don't know what's happened. It's not over yet, you know. Put a blanket on me. I'm on fire. It's not, oh dear. 
Catherine Whittaker there here at Wimbledon. It is not over yet, folks. What is over, though, is this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We're supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. Go to The Telegraph Sport website, some fantastic articles you'll be reading overnight and on the app and in the newspaper tomorrow. Go to wearetennis.com and we'll speak to you tomorrow. 